thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com, as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and get involved. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I just want to make a big shout out to all the people who are listening. I really, really appreciate you for listening to this podcast. I heard that there are now 1.5 million podcasts that you can choose from. And for whatever reason, you are listening to this one. So that makes me feel very grateful and full of love and gratitude. So I really appreciate it. And I hope you're enjoying the content in the episode so far. I hope you're enjoying the progression over the first um, 15 episodes and how the structure has changed a little bit. The recording quality and editing quality and so on has also improved. So it's definitely one of my favorite things to do in the week, if not the. And I love doing this show. I love making this content. So it kind of provides me a really great outlet to get some of these things that I'm thinking about, that I'm contemplating from my personal life, from the wider universe and so on out. And for that, I'm truly grateful that there's a few people out there who are appreciating that and getting involved as the tagline says. So last week I talked a little bit about the little details with regard to creating content like this, like in terms of recording, editing, how people get stuck on, in my opinion, a lot of the wrong problems when they get started with these sorts of things. And I went into detail about making sure that you've got a clear grasp of the little details in all that stuff. So not getting bogged down and thinking you have to buy the best equipment or spend loads of money or, uh, you know, polish things and edit things that aren't good in the first place. Um, so if you're interested in that and you want to start a podcast or you've just started something or, you know, you're, you're thinking about taking pictures or videoing things or recording yourself or recording other people, just give that a listen because there's some, some key tips in there. And I also went in the second part of the show, in the last episode, I went into detail for the first time into lucid dreaming, my uh, experiences, what I've learned through listening to a lot of information shared by the wonderful Robert Wagner, who's the leading expert in lucid dreaming studies from a scientific perspective, from a practical perspective, from a spiritual perspective. That's your guy if you want to learn about lucid dreaming. So I put all of his information in the show notes of the previous episode before this one. So if you're interested in lucid dreaming, go and check that out. So as always, I'm going to split this into two sections. And the first section will be the week gone by and a lot of the stuff that I've been encountering, the things that I'm thinking about, the things that I'm working on. And the second part will be 
the second part of my lucid dreaming experiences with a bit more detail about a kundalini energy that I felt through a lucid dreaming experience. So if you're interested in that, by all means, the timestamp is in the description so that you can skip right to the second part. And if you're interested in hearing the whole episode, including this recap that's coming up now from the week gone by and what I'm thinking about on a personal level and so on, then by all means, keep listening. So it's been a great week. I I hung out with a friend who I haven't seen in a while, and that was really great. It's obviously awesome to reconnect with someone and to rekindle uh, the vibe that's kind of been difficult over the last year or so, of course. I don't think I need to say why. It's the same all over the world. And it felt really great because we were able to reminisce and then also to kind of kick off the new chapter of this friendship, so to say. And one thing that was really interesting was that not only did I meet this old friend, but she has a couple of new flatmates. Now, when you meet someone who you know, and they're in a living situation with other people, usually, in my experience, that has meant you tend to get to know those people, they become your friends, or at least they become acquaintances. And that's always quite nice, because it's someone who you are friends with, who you're connected to, and the people that she or he live with constantly. So they're obviously feeding off each other's energies and vibes. And usually, they're Usually there are people who you might get on well with because usually, I say this with a caveat, people tend to live with the people who they get on with or at least, you know, they, they, they've had some kind of control over that. I can speak from experience that that's not always the case. But it was really nice to meet a couple of new characters through my friend. And I wanted to talk a little bit about on this episode when you meet someone for the first time, someone who you've never met before, someone who you have no connection to, it's not a family member or a friend of a friend, it's this sort of a flatmate of your friend situation or a co-worker or a friend or something like that. Very often, I don't know if, if anyone who's listening to this feels this way, but I get a very strong vibe of people, whether it's that I reckon I would be able to get on well with them, or poorly with them, or that I have a instinct that tells me that they're someone who's well grounded and secure and calm and clear, or conversely, someone who lives in a lot of chaos and has a lot of problems and a lot of issues that they're dealing with. And th this isn't coming from a judgment perspective, because I myself have been all of those things at different times in my life. So it just feels very strongly when I meet someone like I can kind of, not every time, but often get a get a vibe from them quite quickly. The first interaction, the first few conversations. And I definitely felt that feeling very, very strongly with one of the characters who I met the other day, so much so that I wanted to talk about it on this podcast, where I just got a really good impression from, and when I say good, I mean a really uh, 
calming and relaxing vibe from this person, this dude. And it then became absolutely clear why very quickly. So I've had a lot of great experiences through the Wim Hof breathing method. If anyone has not heard about Wim Hof or heard about his breathing method and everything that that entails, then I would seriously suggest that you go and look up Wim Hof, find some documentaries, find some podcasts and learn about what his body of work has done in order to change science and move the needle as far as what we can do as human beings. Not just him, but anybody. So I will get into the Wim Hof method and breathing techniques and so on next week because meeting this person by chance has totally rekindled my positive feeling and deep desire to do the Wim Hof method and other breathing techniques constantly without pause. So I'm very good at doing them, um, I would say a couple of times per week, and I keep up a lot with the cold showers. But I know from my personal perspective that I am a completely different person. I'm so much more calm, relaxed, cool, chilled when I'm doing a daily breathing exercise, even if it's just five, 10 minutes in the morning every day. I myself have had much more, have felt much more of an impact on my mood and my overall being with that than I have with other types of meditation techniques. Um, so the reason that this chance meeting rekindled that is because this gentleman who is living with my friend is t learning to become a breathwork instructor, not with the Wim Hof method and his team, but with another completely unrelated breathing system. And that particular day, when he walked into the room, he had just finished a full day where he had just for the first time guided someone through this 70 minute breathing session and witnessed them and supported them in achieving a real deep breakthrough through this exercise, through this session. So he walked in the room and I could feel before he said anything just from looking at him and just honestly, just this might sound weird, but he had like a sort of vibe, an aura around him. He just looked so calm, so collected, so relaxed, so uplifted, so happy, so full of like this sort of calming, lovely energy that I, I had a really good feeling about this dude as soon as I met him. And then very quickly when we were just talking in the conversation, we we're kind of catching up. Who are you? What do you do? Blah, blah, blah. All the usual niceties that people do when they first meet. He very quickly got into the experience that he had had that day. And it was immediately obvious, like, okay, that's why you have such a, a, a strong aura, a strong vibe. So he was in a room with 15 to 20 people who are all doing this deep, long breathing session 
where unlike the Wim Hof method, they actually just continually breathe. There isn't a lot of pause. There's no rule, there's no set rule, he said, but largely people are just breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever tried that who's listening to this, but for, as someone who has done the Wim Hof method, which includes the breaks, I've had some really wild, crazy experiences on that method just through breathing. So for me, it was clear as day to think that if I didn't have those pause breaks where you retain your breath and then uh, take take a deep breath and then pause and so on, and you just keep breathing in and out, keep breathing in and out at your own pace, I can only imagine that that gets very psychedelic very quickly. So when you have 15 people doing that in the same room together, a mixture of instructors and uh, clients, essentially, then I can only, again, only imagine just how intense that must feel in the room, all of that vibe, all of that energy kind of swirling around. So like I said, it really rekindled that feeling for me and speaking to this person who's now an expert on it, uh, these breathing techniques, it really uh, reminded me just how valuable they are in my life and how I should and I will just crank it up a little bit and, and make that a daily practice and be more, for lack of a better word, religious about it. I would also say that this also made me think there are times when you feel like you have that vibe about someone who you've just met, be it a good or a bad one, and then over time your experience of that person changes the initial impression. That happens also quite a lot, you know, that also happens. So it's kind of a mix for me in between what you get from a first impression and that's how someone speaks, how they communicate, what sort of things they would like to talk about, their general vibe, the, the look on their face, the way that they tell stories, all of these things are kind of mixed together and then you have to have a kind of, a, uh, in my opinion, I, I always approach new meetings and new encounters with people who I don't know with a level of curiosity. I'm not someone who tends to push my personal feelings and personality into a group setting or in a one-on-one -on -one setting straight away. As you probably gathered from other episodes, I am a little bit withdrawn or I have a tendency to be a little bit withdrawn. And that's not to say that I'm not extroverted and that I'm not social. I actually am. So for me, it's this kind of constant struggle or at least cycle between being an empathetic person who's trying to understand and relate to other people and then putting my actual self, my instinct in what I want to say and what I want to do into the world. So you, in my opinion, you have to kind of have both. You have to be a little bit calm and measured and reasonable. And then you also have to find a way to put your own approach into the world. So yeah, I just had a really, really nice first interaction with someone and it made me uh, reignite this this passion that I have for the breathing work 
And that's something that I've been doing for many years now. Uh, it's come and gone with the amount that I've been doing it. And I feel energized to definitely continue with that and to crank it up, like I said, a couple of notches. So that was really cool. Another funny thing that I felt when I was in this setting with these new people and my friend and so on, I was in a place where physically I had been before, but it had been occupied by other people. And so I was seeing a physical surrounding that was very, very different because of the fact that it had been decorated and lived in by other people. And it made me think just how interesting that is that how someone kits out a room or a flat or a house or a car or an office space, a desk, any anything where there's a human interaction, the physical space is altered hugely. And I would say that it all kind of like, it, it, it all rolls into a ball of vibe. A, a physical location can give off a certain vibe depending on who's living there, how they're living there, how they're keeping it, what sort of stuff they have, whether they do or don't have plants or other kind of living organisms in that space, what kind of items are there, what kind of, of, and this might go a little bit farther than some people who are listening, but what kind of a attitude and emotion they have constantly in that space. I've definitely felt, I mean, there's that saying, you could cut the tension with a knife. There are things where you can feel, there are places where you can feel tension and calmness, happiness and sadness. You, I get those feelings from places and physical locations and it was really interesting to, to feel what it's like to be in a room that I know relatively well but that is now under the domain of someone else someone who I don't know coincidentally so I don't know what that all means and you know it's just a, a contemplation but I found that really really interesting to think you know when you leave a flat when you are moving from a different from one place to another and you take all your stuff and you box it all up and you pack it all away and then you take it outside that last moment when you're in the flat and you're kind of looking around and you sort of think wow this this place is now just a shell it's just ready to become the thing for the next person who's going to live here i definitely believe that that is not the same place that it was when all your stuff was in there and you were in there, whether you were working, whether you were hanging out, whatever you were doing, humans make the place that they're in. Humans make that a thing. They make it a, an actual location. It's no longer just cement in the walls and paint and wood and floorboards and skirting boards and doors and all that stuff. The, the human interaction with that physical space changes that physical space in my opinion, physically, and also, in an odd way, spiritually and emotionally. So I found that very interesting. I don't know if anyone has a similar experience with that. So another thing that's been happening in the last week is I've started a new show, a new show that's going to be on YouTube and all the main podcast platforms and so on. I've mentioned a couple of new shows that have started recently, and this is another one that I'm very, very excited about. This is a 
sports and sports entertainment based show with a good friend of mine who's a, a fellow comedian from the scene within which I do comedy. And it's another cool story because how it came about was very organic. I have a, a, a friend who I have interacted with a lot. He, we've always had awesome times since we've been doing comedy together. We started roughly at the same time. We've been um, brushing shoulders a lot at the shows for a long time now. And we've also become good friends outside of the, the comedy thing and all the events and so on. And he's someone who has a heart of gold. He's really nice, really genuine dude. And I didn't know this, but we actually have a lot in common in terms of our interests. So when I'm, I like to say, not, uh, you know, thinking so much about this uh, deep stuff and the esoteric side and what it all means and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes I do like to just, of course, live in this in this 3D world and indulge in things like theater and sports and, you know, comedy and stories and all that kind of stuff. So I am uh, admittedly for a long time a sports fan. I'm also a pro wrestling fan. I'm a huge fan of combat sports. I've mentioned a few times that I train jiu-jitsu. So all of that stuff, um, you know, I, I hold dear to me. And it's, it's definitely a big part of my personality and so on that I like speaking about these things. And when you quickly identify that, that you can vibe on with someone on something, it's really cool. You know, the conversation can just grow very organically. And uh, with this friend of mine, we were talking loosely about sports and stuff and we realized that we're both actually really into it we were really entertaining each other with our stories and our reflections and stuff obviously we're both comics so it, it's it's quite easy to to just as we say like shoot the shit and you know not take each other too seriously and just have fun and so on and I, we realized we both realized after about let's say 10 of these kinds of conversations that we should do something with this this is this is really cool and organic and it feels feels right that we're sort of just uh you know going back and forth and laughing and uh, remembering sporting events and characters and all this kind of stuff and uh i don't have a lot of friends who are also into combat sports and um you know uh you know, normal sports, team sports, single player sports, um, or who who train martial arts and all that kind of stuff, and who, or who like watching fighting and like watching pro wrestling and don't think it's just for losers and all that stuff. So um, it felt really cool to have that outlet and to kind of be be free and talking about this stuff. So we've decided to make a sports show and I'm really looking forward to it. We've already recorded one episode and we're going to let it kind of organically um, uh, come together. We're going through like the strategy process and what the niche is for our show and so on. And it's a really cool process. It's something I'm really excited about. So that's been a big part of the week gone by and it will be a part of the weeks to come, I'm sure. And that's, uh, supplementing the other shows that I've also mentioned, the things that I'm doing on Clubhouse. That's still one or two shows per day, roughly which is the closest thing that we have to live performances at the moment. Um, in my opinion, it really, really feels organic and uh, real. And you're, you know, you're, you've got nowhere to hide. You just have to be yourself. And if people uh, vibe you, they vibe you. And if they don't, they don't. That's, that's the cool thing about that app. And we can uh, also run events that 
I'm definitely trying to run events that are at a specific time that it means they could also be run when all the comedy and so on is back in the evenings. So it's just kind of like a little bit of a juggling act with time at the moment, but I love it. I love being busy. I love that all these different things are going on. And uh, I'm also very excited about the other show that I'm working on, which is a more food-related one. So I'm definitely trying to sow a whole bunch of seeds in the different topics and niches within which I have uh, an interest and a passion. And I want to essentially my strategy is to be as busy as possible creating content building audiences having a good time cultivating good conversations and creating communities that mean something and that matter and that there's a lot of fun and a lot of uh, insightful questioning and keeping things keeping things ticking forward so it's cool, life is good, life is busy, and we're coming up to the end of the first part of this episode, and I just want to end this on saying that all of this stuff that I'm working on with all these various wonderful people, and the friendships that I'm building, and the partnership that I'm building, it's it's really something that is just hammered home to me every single day with every single interaction I have, every single situation I'm in when it comes to dealing with other people, be it on a friend's basis, on a stranger's basis, in a romantic relationship, in a working relationship, in a, a peer relationship. It's all about honest communication and feeling like you can speak honestly and freely if either of the people who are having an interaction don't feel that way then you're always at risk that it's going to break down and not work out for whatever reason so that's something that is being hammered home to me all the time through experience through breadcrumbs from the universe all kinds of examples and clear 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 signs that tell me that I need to be strong, I need to be opinionated, I need to be calm and fair and open and at the same time share what I really think and if even if it means having a difficult conversation, then it means having a difficult conversation. The relationship and the tasks at hand will be better for it. So that's the, the crux of most of the problems who, that I've had in the past or one of them is a lack of honest communication or too much fear of upsetting the other person or not conforming in the way that you feel like you should and so on and not translating ideas and instincts and feelings into tangible words and actions that make an impact. So that's definitely something I'm still working on. That's something I will always be working on and it feels great that I'm now embarking on a new venture, as it were, in this uh, show and in lots of other cool things that are going on with people with whom I feel I can do that honest discussion and I can have difficult conversations and we can have disagreements and it's okay and we want the best for each other, essentially. So 
that's it for this first part of the episode this time round this week I hope you've enjoyed that we're going to have a little bit of music now and after the music when we come back I'll be getting into lucid dreaming again so stick around So, welcome to part two for this week. If you haven't already, I would definitely suggest that you go and listen to last week's episode, where in the second part, it's all timestamped in the description of that episode, I got into the subject of lucid dreaming for the first time properly on this podcast. This is something that has impacted me hugely since I learned about it and actually started cultivating it in my life and using it in my life and applying some of the principles in my life. And I want to quickly just say there's a huge uh, source of information which I've drawn upon in order to have most of my understanding with regard to lucid dreaming. And that is a gentleman by the name of Robert Wagner. I gave a long summary of his insight as far as I understood it, the impact it's had on me, and also a few places where you can find information shared by uh, Robert Wagner on the last episode, last week's episode in the show notes. So go there, check it out, go to his website and search that name Robert Wagner on YouTube and Google and you'll find endless lectures and podcast episodes where he talks in detail about a lot of the stuff that I'm going to mention now and much, much more, obviously. Um, so now that the context is set and I spoke a little bit about my one of the more recent um, lucid dreaming experiences that I've had in the last episode, I'm going to get into another very specific type of lucid dream experience that I've had a handful of times that's never been more strong than the first occasion that it actually happened. So I'll just get into it. Basically, here's what I understood is that from reading and uh, learning a lot from Robert Wagner about lucid dreaming, he mentions a field of spiritual study from the Eastern philosophies called dream yoga. Now, it's something that he sort of stumbled upon by accident through the lucid dream practice. And then the information that he gathered practically by doing it was vindicated through some discussions later in his life with some gurus and uh, people who are very, very deeply into dream yoga. Um, he he explains at length that there are certain aspects of lucid dreaming that can become hugely beneficial in terms of spiritual growth, self-development, understanding, and I can definitely attest to that from personal experience myself after having this specific type of experience. I'm going to first explain what happened, how it felt, what the situation was, what the context was, in my perspective, what I understood, 
and then I'll go into a little bit more detail about what I've found out about those kinds of experiences, having done some more research, having looked into it, having looked at a number of different sources and listened to a number of different people who know about this stuff, and essentially a little conclusion towards the end. So what I understood and what I was trying to implement in my lucid dreaming practice was once I had become lucid, which is the moment where you, in your dream, essentially consciously realize that you are in a dream, that's when the fun starts, basically. You can have some really, really intense experiences, for better or worse, when you're in that lucid state within a dream. Now, it's part of the dream yoga study and part of the insights from Robert Wagner and other researchers and practical lucid dreamers who discuss their techniques and so on online, that when you are in a lucid dream, you can do a lot of things. You can fly, you can go underwater and breathe, you can interact with dream characters, you can ask the dream consciousness itself questions about life, about what what the meaning of this is, what your blockages are, and all this kinds of stuff. And I'll get into a lot of those things in the coming episodes, for sure. But one thing that I that really stuck to me when I listened to Robert Wagner's lectures and he spoke about dream yoga was that when you become lucidly aware in a dream and you consciously do things in the lucid dream that you would call spiritual or meditative, the, the multiplier of how intense that experience is is exponential in comparison to when you do those practices in the waking world, in this 3D world. So what I mean by that is I had a lucid dream where I had a chain of lucid dreams, let's say, over a few days, this was about a year ago, where I became lucidly aware, and I was interacting with dream characters, I mentioned one very specific one in the last episode, interacting with dream characters, asking questions, doing these feats of um, physical craziness, like flying, like soaring through the sky, like being underwater, and all this kind of stuff, and... I realized in a lucid dream, I had a moment where I remembered, oh yeah, if you do spiritual or personal development things, meditative things within the lucid dream, it can be a really intense experience, maybe even exponentially bigger than doing it in waking life. So halfway through a lucid dream, I'm doing stuff, and then suddenly I almost created this scenario where I woke up, but didn't actually wake up. This is a thing, a phenomenon that happens often called a false awakening. You're in the dream, and you're doing all kinds of stuff. Maybe you're having a normal dream or a lucid dream, and then you wake up in your bed, essentially, in the, in the situation within which you fell asleep. But you're not actually awake. It's still the dream. This is something that they also use in films a lot when they're using that sequence. You know, someone will wake up like... <gasps> oh my God, what a nightmare. And then they'll turn and then the nightmare is kind of still alive and then they'll actually wake up. And sometimes they do it three or four times. That's uh, the false awakening phenomenon. So it's obviously in 
art and fiction because it's a real phenomenon that people can relate to. So I was having this moment where I was waking up a lot and not being able to go back to the dream and also not being able to wake up properly. So I was kind of just finding myself in this semi-state of, it felt almost kind of out of body or hints of sleep paralysis, you know, where you where you can't move your body, but your consciousness is totally awake, totally aware. That's another whole whole bag of hammers that we can get into. But this um, experience kept happening. And then it was in that moment that I realized, let me just try that then. Let me do something uh, yoga. Let me do something like a bit of yoga, like some meditation. And all I did was in the dream, I was consciously aware that I was dreaming. I was in what felt like my room and my bed and I just slowly edged to the end of the bed on the side that I was sleeping on lowered myself little by little my feet first then I sat myself on the floor then my upper body sort of you know followed and I was very slow and relaxed and I found myself now sitting on the floor very aware that I'm still in the dream and that this isn't actually happening physically in the 3D world. I'm in the dream, and I've just walked myself off the bed onto the floor directly next to the bed. I could feel the hardness of the floor underneath me. In a weird way, I could actually feel the same sensation that I feel when I sit cross-legged on a normal hardwood floor. But I know I'm in a dream. It's it's so mind-blowing to me still, even, even just telling the story. So I'm sitting there with my legs crossed like you would when you were meditating, like the lotus position. And I've got my hands on my knees. Um, I just took a deep breath. And in the dream, I start doing the same thing that I do when I meditate in real life. I start, I close my eyes. I put my focus on the point in between my eyes a little bit higher up. And then I just start breathing, taking deep breaths in and out, in and out. And I'm just observing that breath going in and out. And it feels exactly like I feel when I'm doing that in real life. You know, nothing intense or crazy right at the beginning. I would say I had about five or ten breaths, normal breaths, just going in and out. And it felt very much like I was just sitting on my bedroom floor doing this, like I do often. And then that's when it went crazy. The minute that I actually started really slipping into the meditative state, which is what happens also when you're doing it in the waking world, really just kind of your, 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 all of your thoughts and everything kind of just becomes, it dissolves and you start to really just focus on the breath, focus on this point in between your eyes and you start to relax and everything just sort of melts away. It only took four, five to 10 breaths maybe. And suddenly... I felt at the base of my spine, near my tailbone, a rumbling, a a rumbling sensation that was very electric, very buzzy, very unusual kind of rumbling deep, deep, deep down in like the pit of my stomach, down by like my tailbone, like I said. And it starts to grow into my stomach. It felt like when 
you know the feeling of having butterflies when you're nervous about something you're nervous about going on stage you're nervous about making a presentation you're you're nervous about a first date or you know seeing someone that you haven't seen for a long time that bubbly little feeling you get in your stomach it felt like an accelerated version of that a much more intense version of that so it started at the base of my spine it sort of wound its way up in a sort of swirling motion up to my stomach. And then once it got there, I was still breathing. I was still kind of focused on the breath. It started to grow, to to f go further up. It was winding, like I, I would say sort of left and right in a kind of swirling motion around my spine, going all the way up. It's now filling all the way up to like my midriff, you know, just, I would say a few inches above my belly button, right in the middle of my chest. It's now all the way up to here. At this point, it's really intense. It's completely buzzing. Everything is electric. And it sounds, it starts to sound at this point, once it was here up at my um, midriff, in my sort of diaphragm to chest area, I started to hear it like a rumble. It wasn't just a physical sensation. It was like a, a sound. It was like a i'm not sure how well that's going to translate into this microphone and it's kind of this rumble that's getting almost a little bit higher pitched it's started really deep and then it got higher pitched higher pitched higher pitch and then as i'm doing this breathing it's now in the point of my lungs where a lot of the breathing is going on. So it's like, you know, right up in my chest in like my rib cage, this rumbling has now got up to my throat, up to my, you know, the top of my neck, my chin area. And at this point, it starts making this sound that I can only describe as, you know, when you have those, um, those tubes that you often have, uh, I, I, I remember there was a couple of these in my school at some point, it's like a rain stick where it's uh, like a very often made of bamboo or wood or something. And you you turn it around, this tube, you kind of flip it 180 degrees, and then all these little bits of rice or beans or something that's inside it can spill down various levels and it creates the illusion, the sound of rain. It's like a, it's always like a rattling sound as it's coming down. So it's, it's trying to recreate the sound of rain. It sounded exactly like that. So it's in my sort of throat, in my kind of, at the base of my neck, and then it starts to climb up the back of my neck. Where, the, the same place when you're nervous and you, you suddenly get a fright, you know, you, the hairs come up at the back of your, your neck, that area is now buzzing. The ele electric feeling has come all the way from the base of my uh, spine, all the way up to the back of my neck. And when it's up there, it's this high pitched rattling sound. And I remembered in that moment that in my childhood and especially a lot in my childhood and, and occasionally maybe like once a year, once every couple of years, I feel this feeling at the back of my head, this kind of like crunchy, sort of weird, crackly, crunchy sound sometimes. I've had it in, in my ears and I've had it in the back of my head. I can't describe it in, in any other way than to say that it's this crunchy, crackly, sort of energetic, electric kind of feeling back there. And I always just kind of played it off. I think I even remember asking um, my parents or someone, you know, when I was younger, like, what is that? And, and 
I don't think anyone ever had an answer or anything. And I kind of just played it off. And I've I've told this story to a lot of people and they've they've said, yeah, I know what that is. And maybe they haven't kind of understood the rest of the story or felt any of the other feelings. But the thing about the crackling at the back of the neck, they have. Now, I'm. it's so intense. And I would say that all of this lasted, I, I don't know, at t fr from the base of the spine till the neck, we're talking about five, 10 breaths, maybe 10, 15 seconds, something like that. It really swirled around quite quickly, all the way from the base up to the neck. And here it's like this. And it's getting higher pitched, higher pitched. It's rising in my face now, in my head. It's up to my eyes. And as it was kind of just at the top of my head, it was just too much. I was so unbelievably blown away by the sensations and the feelings that I was having that it felt honestly like an explosion or something in that moment. And I just woke up in the waking world in a completely euphoric, mind-blown situation. I was there, I was deeply breathing like, <gasps> looking around the room, my partner's sitting next to me, and she's like, whoa, what's going on? You know, I was like, you have no idea what I just felt and what I've just been through. And I was still just for, for, for a long, I don't know, like two or three minutes, what felt like a long time, I was still doing these deep, deep breaths, just trying to process it. I could still kind of feel the remnants of the feeling, especially at the back of my neck. It was this kind of intense, intense, intense feeling. It felt like this, like an electric shock had kind of bubbled up all the way up the spine into the back. And it was just absolutely one of the most unusual and unexplainable. I've, I've never had anything that was quite like that. Uh, I've done a lot of meditation. I've done a lot of breathing exercises, cold exposure. I've, uh, you know, read a lot of esoteric texts. I've spent a lot of time doing these sorts of things, yoga, breathing and all this kind of stuff. And I've never felt anything like that. And this was after 30 seconds of deep breathing meditation within a lucid dream. And that was the level of feeling and sensation that I got. Now, I was completely perplexed. I'd never heard about this. I didn't know anything about this. I, I just was stunned. I had, all I, all I knew was if you do a meditative thing in a lucid dream, it can increase the benefits or at least the impact of the, the exercise exponentially. I had no idea what the actual result would be. And this thing happened and I was so shaken and shook by it. I don't think I even looked it up or did anything about it for a couple of days. I just had to kind of process it and just to feel it and just to remember it and just to kind of let it sort of sink in what's just happened. Then I spent a bit of time on Robert Wagner's uh, advice website where a lot of people post questions and then he answers them and so on. And there's some really, really great information there in this uh, sort of forum set up where you can learn a lot more about what's going on. And what I actually found, not necessarily through that, there was someone who mentioned something similar in there, but I found it through other means. I just Googled it and I was looking around. I was trying to, I was looking up, you know, crackling sound at back of neck through lucid dream meditation, nothing. Okay. And then I was just looking up 
crackling uh, vibration sensation meditation and you I would get some bites and a couple of things and then little by little I started to gather this information and something that kept coming up kept coming up was the word kundalini kundalini I was like okay there's this thing kundalini and then kundalini energy is something that is personified or characterized in ancient texts and in ancient uh uh, the, in the the carvings of the stone temples in Dendera and other places in Egypt, as well as in all sorts of um, symbolic s texts and beautiful paintings and so on from the past, as serpents moving up in the body. It's like a it's it's said to be a serpent energy that's moving through the body, and when people have a Kundalini awakening, it's when they feel that feeling of a serpent kind of moving through them. And I, there was a lot of similarities in the words that I saw that were kundalini awakening um, and also looking deep into dream yoga and the experiences that people are having when they're doing that and also the experiences that people are having when they do these deep breathing, um, holotropic breathing and Wim Hof method and cold exposure and so on. A lot of people reported having this vibration feeling that goes all the way up your body and then hits the back of your neck and creates this kind of crackling sensation. And then I found this thing that was I, I'd also never really heard about that described that crackling sound and that feeling that you get at the back of your neck as Christ fluid. It's something that I've heard, again, since doing a bit of research after the fact, I've heard that it, it be described as that. So I've also heard that I was probably just at the point, the precipice, where you then can travel to a different realm. Now, I'm probably losing some people who are listening to this and they're like, whoa, this is way too much. But there's a whole nother field of study of lucid dreaming and uh, meditative techniques within lucid dreaming that can cause astral projection to happen. Now, I'm not someone who to date has succeeded or had an experience where I would say I astral projected. Maybe I have and I just don't remember it. But that feeling of explosion of energy. Apparently, when you hold your cool and you just allow it to happen and you don't get so freaked out or so um, blown away by the intensity of it that it wakes you up, at that point is when your being, your consciousness, wherever it is in that moment in this lucid dream can travel a great distance to a different place. So it's definitely something that I'm, I'm going to cultivate this knowledge and bring it back into the lucid dreaming practice and I have since then a number of times meditated in a lucid dream and felt that vibration climbing up my body but interestingly I've never got to the point where it got so high up to the back of my neck and then pushed towards the front of my uh, skull and popped out into that explosion or, or beyond. I've never quite got to that point that I got to in the first time I did it. Now, maybe that's because it was so intense that I'm kind of remembering how intense it was and expecting it. Or um, there's definitely a part of like Robert Wagner's insight on lucid dreaming, which says that whatever your beliefs are, they are uh, reflected within your dream landscape. So if you feel like you have a, 
certain thing to expect or you feel like it's going to be hard to get a certain thing, then it will manifest as that in the dream. It will be harder for you to achieve those things. So it's been, uh, I would say, yeah, like about a year since that happened. And since then, I've had maybe four or five total experiences that were anything like that with that, that vibration kind of going through the body. And it's definitely something that I'm going to keep trying to achieve because it, it felt so, so deep and so intense that I'm, it's something I'm really interested to explore further. And I know that when the time comes, it's all about understanding that this is just an experience and just to let it happen and not to be too overwhelmed by it and to allow whatever happens to happen and not to create any unnecessary blocks or expectations. So I'm that was a bit rambling. It's the first time I've really strung that whole story together from start to finish. And I hope that someone out there, whenever you listen to this, if you've had a similar experience, that this kind of speaks to that. Or maybe you've had certain experiences in your waking life or in your dream life or doing any of these kind of meditative techniques and so on. Um, that's definitely, I would argue, one of the most intense experiences I've ever had in my life, just from a lucid dream and this uh, meditative technique within the lucid dream that caused this energy to feel like it was exploding through my entire body, climbing its way up my spine and then out of my head till the point that it woke me up. It was so intense. And I was kind of speechless for a long time. Couldn't really comprehend what it was and I only able was only able to kind of claw together this information posthumously to um, at least put something of a parameter on it some kind of an understanding but it's something I definitely want to keep doing and um, I feel very lucky and blessed for lack of a better word to have had that experience and I would highly suggest if anyone is able to lucid dream and you haven't tried it yet try doing some meditative techniques in there try doing some yoga try doing some breathing try doing some meditation anything that you can do and see what kind of results you get so next week i'm going to speak a little bit about wim hof methods specifically in a bit more detail than i did this week how it's impacted my life i'll, I'll give the context of wim hof and what he's done what he's built how that whole thing has um you know, how his whole movement has changed the way that we see the human body and what's possible. So there's nothing left to say, but thank you very much. You could be listening to anyone and you're here. And I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Catch you soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com, as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and get involved.